I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Something, something mind-blowing happened back in 2007. 2007, there was a guy named Justin. Justin had graduated a few years before from Stanford. Do we have Stanford grads, anyone? All right, this is true. Like in the first service, it's kind of like this. I said that, and people look at me like, Stanford, we're in Michigan. What are you talking about? Second service, anyone graduate from Stanford? A hand shot straight up. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. So anyway, Stanford grad. Justin graduated from Stanford at the age of 20 with a degree in math. Now, that blows my mind. Like, I'm just not like, hey, I got a degree in math. But this guy, age of 20, from Stanford, graduated with a degree in math. And then, and then he went to work for this little company called Facebook. And here's what Justin did. He invented the like button. Isn't that incredible? He had no idea what he was doing, just so you know. Like, he did not know it would turn into what it has turned into. It, it, just try to imagine right now Facebook without the like it's hard, isn't it? Like if you want an easy way to invite people to come to church with you, here's all you need to do. Like you really can use Facebook. If you get on Facebook, you have to like the church's page first. Once you've done that, just check in. If you check in like, hey, I'm at Woodside Romeo today, excited about the service. That's all you have to do. You watch your friends, people you work with, people around you, they will start to message you. It will happen. They're going to go, hey, I had no idea that you went to that church. I've been hearing about it. What service do you go to? Like, it literally is that easy. So anyway, Justin has his own company now. He's not at Facebook, but here, this is so intriguing. He doesn't set up his own cell phone. He'll take his new iPhone, and he gives it to his administrative assistant, who then will download all the apps. Justin says, I don't want the ability to download apps. In fact, he only gives himself a certain amount of screen time per day because of how destructive social media can be. The guy who invented the like button says it can be so destructive. You already knew that though, didn't you? Like I, I knew that, you knew that, we all know that. We know that social media can be a mess because here's what we do. If we're not careful, we start to become driven by the applause of people by the thumbs up, right? We start to be driven by what other people think about us. And so I was processing this this week, and I'm like, when does that begin? Because it's true for everyone in here. Like, we all have that tendency. When does it begin? And I don't know exactly when, but I can tell you this. I've got two boys, Ian and Gabe. Ian is a, a sophomore in college. Gabe is a sophomore in high school. When Ian was a little bitty fellow, he's like five or six years old, he wanted to play soccer. And in the first two services, I said he was horrible, like the worst. Because he's here, I'm not going to say that. Because he's here, I'm just going to say, like, he had other skills, right? He had other skills. He was a nice guy. And what's weird is, what's <laughs> so weird when he's looking at me with this big beard staring at me. So here's the deal. When he was little, he was a head taller than everybody. He's so much stronger than any kid his age. But he was interested in soccer, really. He wanted to make binoculars to look at air, with his hands to look at the airplanes going. Or he would jog by where the moms and dads are, and he would smile, and he'd wave. And then he'd turn around, and he'd go the other way. He'd smile, and he would wave. He would just keep doing that. And the coach would start yelling at him, Eon, the game is here. Eon, the game is here. He would get so mad. He's five, you know. 
coach would be so mad. But I think the thing is, is we do that. We love to be seen, don't we? We love approval. We love the thumbs up. We love it. But the whole point to today's message is this. Our affirmation, our deeper satisfaction should always come from our Heavenly Father. Let's take our Bibles and open up to the Sermon on the Mount this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount actually starts in Matthew chapter 5, but we're a few weeks into the series now, and so we're opening up to chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel. If you're new with us, let me just set the stage. Jesus has selected 12 men, 12 disciples, and told them, I want you to come and follow me. And they didn't know exactly what that meant, but they left their homes, they left their families, they left their friends, they went to follow Jesus. Jesus goes up onto this mountainside, it's crowded full of people, and he sits down with the disciples pressing close, and he starts to teach them, this is what it means to follow me. The heart to this whole series is this, we want to know the heart of Jesus. We want to know the heart of Jesus and what it means to follow him and then bring our lives and our hearts into alignment with his, right? That's the setting of this scene. And so when we look at chapter six, verse one, what we're going to see is we're going to see this thesis statement. This is so fantastic how he lays this out. Verse number one is going to be a thesis statement. Everything else we're going to read today really is in to support that thesis statement. Everything else is going to be the application of this thesis statement. Jesus teaches and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. I'm going to read that again in just a second. But here's the scene. Jesus looks at his 12 disciples and he says, do you see the Pharisees over there? Do you, see, do you see the scribes over there? They're the best at following the rules. Your righteousness has to surpass theirs if you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? The very, very best in all society, you have to be better to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so here's what he says. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That brings us to our big idea today. If there's one thing you remember, I want it to be this. Live for the rewards of God, not the recognition of men. Live for the rewards of God, not the recognition of men. You know, it's easy to look at my oldest and to say, well, bless his heart. He was so silly. My youngest, he does the same thing, and he's in high school Right? Just He decided, I don't want to be the sporty kid. I want to be the artsy kid. I'm going to play the cello. And so he'll go on stage. He'll wear his fancy pants because you can't play cello unless you have on a tux, right? You have to have on the tux when you go on stage. He'll walk on the stage and he'll do this. He'll walk and he'll go. Do you catch that? That's what he does. He doesn't look and be like, hi, Dad. He doesn't, nope, none of that. He's too cool for that. He'll walk in and just kind of does a, I know where Dad sits, and there he is. You know, he kind of does one of those. He just wants to know that I'm sitting there watching him, right? He wants to know that I'm engaged in this whole process. And so we can look at the oldest kid and say, bless his heart. We can look at the youngest kid and say, bless his heart. We look at our friends, then we can say, oh, bless their heart. They're so silly. Can I admit something, though? I do the same thing. And every single pastor I know, we all do the same thing, and we don't like to admit this, but I'm going to admit something very real to you. Sometimes, sometimes people will leave the church, and sometimes when they leave, they say, I'm leaving because I don't like Billy. 
And that hurts. Like, it does. It, it really stings. For them to say, I'm going to leave my whole church family. I dislike Billy so much, I'm going to leave my whole church family. That burns. Like, it really does. And every pastor I know, every single pastor I know, we have to be so intentional at getting in our prayer closet and saying, Lord, I need you to align my heart with yours. I need that. Because I can't live life in a way where I'm living for the applause of a church, where I'm living for the thumbs up from the church. I can't do that. I, I, I can't live. They're disgruntled. I can't change what I believe you're calling me to do. Lord, the applause I'm looking for should come from you and from you alone. That's what I'm living for. So, Lord, show me what it means to love you completely. And then show me what it means to shepherd well and to love well and to serve well. And so here's, here's, I guess, where I'm at. If this is something that I struggle with, and if this is something that every pastor that I've ever met struggles with, and this is something that pastor kids struggle with, maybe it's possible that you struggle with this too. Maybe it's possible that you have found yourself in a place where you've done things, where you've said things, where you've acted in a way that it has nothing to do with what the Lord wants. You're really seeking the approval of people around you. Jesus is talking to his disciples and teaching about this very, very specific issue. And he really teaches in a way where he drives home the point through two ways. One, he says we should resist the temptation to be seen by people. Look at your Bible, verse 2. Look what Jesus teaches. He says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. Skip down to verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. Now verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces. That their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. So Jesus challenges his followers. And I think challenges us to resist temptation to be seen by people. And there's a word. Did you see that word? He used it again and again and again. Did you see it? Hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those hypocrites. Sometimes, church, we misread the word of God. You know that, don't you? Like we have our biases and our thoughts, and so we misread the word. See, when you read the word hypocrites, you probably think the same thing that naturally comes to my mind, right? What you think of is you think of the person who goes to church on Sunday and they like, oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. And so they're like at church, but then the whole rest of the week they live like something else. You know what I'm saying? Right? Okay. The second service played along, but y'all are just looking at me. So I'm going to give you another example. You're getting ready to get mansplained. That's what's getting ready to happen. A hypocrite, someone who has the car with the Jesus fish on it, they don't drive like the Jesus fish, though, do they? <laughs> nope. They're whipping in and out of traffic, shaking their fist at you, right? That's what they do. Isn't that what we think? We think hypocrite. We think that per And yet, listen now, slow down. Slow down and read the gospel of Matthew and read what it says 
that is not what Jesus is talking about when he says hypocrite. In fact, what he's talking about, he's looking at the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's saying, these guys who perfectly live that out throughout the week. No, they do all of these spiritual disciplines. They do those things. It's the heart that's a mess. So I'm going to tell you, when I think about Woodside Romeo, I think about a group of people who truly do try to live out what the gospel has called us to. Like good people, good men, good women who really are trying to live out the calling of Jesus. And so that should cause you to pause. And that should cause me to pause because Jesus says those are the very ones who have the tendency to be hypocrites. And so he starts to teach about giving to the needy. And he says, sound no trumpets before you. Historians and theologians debate in the first century, were there people, were the trumpets literally? But most, most would say, no, Jesus is using this just as a matter of saying. It's like saying, don't toot your own horn, right? That's what Jesus is saying, don't give in a way where there's strings attached. You know what that looks like, right? All right, Pastor Billy, we've got this building project right through this wall. That's what you keep telling us. Right through this wall, there's going to be a brand new building. We're breaking ground within a month, and right through this wall will be a brand new building. I just want you to know I've got a million dollars I want to give you for the project. Like, we need to talk. If that's you, we do need to talk, right? (laughs) But when you say, I want to give a million dollars to the project, but here's what I'm going to need in return. Here's the expectation I'm going to have. Here's what I need the church to do. You see, that's, that's where the lines get crossed. Because no longer are you saying, I really just want to bring glory to God with everything I do. All of a sudden, you're wanting to point the spotlight on yourself. And you're saying, I really want this to be about me, about my needs, my wants, my desires. Jesus moves on and talks about praying. If you've been here through the whole series, there's probably been moments where you think to yourself, man, we are flying through this. Like, we're just zooming. We are going so fast. I have felt that, just so you know. So we're going to slow down next week. We're going to take next week and spend the whole day talking about prayer, more specifically talking about the Lord's prayer. But right here, Jesus moves on to praying. I want to be so clear. He's not talking about posture. He's not saying, well, when you stand and pray, that's bad, and it, because there's lots of posture in the Bible. You see people who lay face down before God. Like literally, they will lay face down, just a way of saying, God, I am as low and as humbled as I can possibly get before you. There are people who pray from their knees, people who pray in awe and reverence, people who lift holy hands high to the Lord. And, and Jesus right here isn't saying that one is good and one is bad. He's also not talking about location. He's not saying you can only pray in the synagogue, but not on the streets. You know, you can only play at Woodside Romeo if you get in your car. Well, that's too far. You can't pray there. That's not what Jesus is saying. We see what was going on, the hypocrites, these Pharisees. They would go out onto the very, very busy street corners, and they would use big church words. Oh, big church words. They would memorize huge passages of scripture, so they're just quoting scripture, and they would yell at the top of their voice to make sure that everyone paid attention to them. It was all about them. Jesus says you need to resist the temptation to be seen by people. Finally, he moves on to fasting. So the Pharisees, the scribes, they were the best at following the rules. They would give. Oh my goodness, they would give. They would pray they would fast. In fact, if you look at Luke 18, 12, there's a story that Jesus tells with this Pharisee who says, like a good Pharisee, I fast twice a week. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Now, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, let me explain fasting real fast, because this is different than like, I'm fasting before I get my blood work done. Like, this is a little bit different. This fasting is when you would take the time that you'd normally prepare food, eat food, and now if you prepare food and eat food, you also got to clean up the, the mess that you made from the food, otherwise the sink piles up, right? So you take all of that time, and you say, I'm setting that time aside for prayer. I want to draw closer to the Lord, so instead of eating, I'm intentionally going to step away to pray, that's what I'm going to do during that time. But see, what the hypocrites would do is they would, they would put on sackcloth, right? Basically, they take off their normal clothes and put on stuff that almost made them look homeless. You know, their hair, they're going to mess it up. They're going to suck in their cheeks like they're a supermodel or something, throw some ash on their face, and they, they'd look like death. You know, they'd just walk around so that people would look at them and go, oh, my goodness, you are so holy. I got, I got to step back. Look at you. You are fasting, aren't you? You are. I can see it all over you. And Jesus is saying, you need to check your heart in this. Again, the big point. We all have the potential to be hypocrites when we're doing the right things. But I want to point out real quick, it doesn't say if. Right? Jesus doesn't say if, if you're going to give. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say if you fast. He uses the word when. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. If you're a follower of Jesus, these spiritual disciplines are not optional for us. Like you can't say, well, I'm going to get out of being a hypocrite by not doing any of it. There we go, pastor. I'm, I fixed that. No. This, we all are supposed to be engaged in this process of doing the right things, but it's a heart check. Back to the thesis statement. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You see, the result is if you keep going with that heart that's just a little bit off, it's really about you. It's really about what you want. It's really about that thumbs up on Facebook. You become like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, where later Jesus says they're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within they're full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. You know, I think, I think oftentimes those inside the church, Christians, I think oftentimes we are most critical of non-Christians. We're most critical of those outside the church. But if we follow what Jesus teaches, it doesn't seem reasonable to, to say that you and I really were here to press in together. We're here we're here to get in each other's space just a little bit in a loving way. That's why groups are so, so, so vitally important. You can't go through life as a Lone Ranger Christian doing it on your own. There's not one single example of that in all of the Bible. You and I are supposed to press in together to challenge each other together. And in that place, we find this, this place where we can challenge each other to show the love to the world for the sake of the gospel. And that brings us to our... Our second and final point, and that's that we should value deeds only seen by God. Value deeds that are only seen by God. You see, I think there's two groups here. I think, one, we have, we have people here who are believers, you're followers, and you're going along, and you either, A, you're not doing these spiritual disciplines at all, or, B, maybe it's good to evaluate your heart to see where your heart is in the process, or, 
be we have some people in here who you're not Christians. You're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus because I watched that person. And that person's a hypocrite. That person, oh, they say churchy things. They say churchy things. They can pray using big church words. They go on Sundays. They give money. But I've seen the condition of their heart, and it's nasty. I've seen the condition of their heart, and it's ugly. Let me just challenge you in this. Don't allow your faith journey to be tripped up because someone else is trying to figure out their own faith journey. Can I, can I say that again? Don't allow you to not take a step of faith because you're so concerned with someone else who's trying to figure out their own faith. Because when you take that step and you become a brother or sister in Christ, you're invited into a family. And it's in that place that you and I can press in together now, right? And we can t- continue to encourage each other in Christ-likeness. And that means that we value deeds only seen by God. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, but when, when you give to the needy, again, I would highlight that, when, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving it may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Skip down to verse 6. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Skip to verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's in secret will reward you. So second thing Jesus does, he challenges his followers And I believe challenges us to value deeds only seen by God. And he starts out with this giving, giving to the needy. This is where it can get so confusing if you're not careful. Because he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And some of you are going, but I always know. Like I literally, I know what both my hands are doing. Like I I know. And then because... (laughs) We are. We're like little Pharisees running around all the time. What you start to do is you start to say, I'm supposed to give in secret. Okay, well, if I give in secret, I can't give online. Because if I give online, i got to put my name in there and my routing number, my bank. And, and then Woodside will know. Woodside will know it's me. And i, I got to be in secret. So I can't do that. And I can't give a check. You know, if I give a check, then Woodside will know. Because, again, my name is on my – I need to carry around money, cash money, bucket loads of cash money, and then I'll dump it in the offering plate just like this every Sunday, but they'll never know it's me when they count. They don't know how much I give. That's what I'm going to do. And then when I see someone on the street and they're homeless, I know I'm supposed to give. I know I am, but they'll see my face. And if they see my face, then they'll know, and then that's not say I'll wear a mask, a ski mask. That's what I will do. It'll be reverse bank robbing. Instead of saying, stick them up, I'll say, hold them out. That's what I'll do. But then they'll never know it's me. Like, I'm secret. I'm just going to encourage you, stop being wacko. Don't do that. Like, stop it. You're being a Pharisee. You've got to quit. Like, don't be the Pharisee. Jesus is saying this. I'm being very serious. Here's what Jesus is saying. That thing that you're holding, this is all about you saying, Lord I don't worship the thing that shines. I trust you. And I worship you, so I'm going to give it. And when I give it, oh my goodness, I am so free. Your Father, who sees what's done in secret, who sees your heart, 
that's the place that he's going to reward you. And then with prayer, it says get alone and shut the door. It doesn't mean that I can't stand from up front and pray. It doesn't mean you can't pray in your groups or at work or at home. It doesn't mean that. It's saying get alone, shut your door, because in that place, again, we're talking more about it next week, is where you're going to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how hard it is to pray that sometimes? I mean, do you even know what those words mean? Here's what it means. Lord, this cancer stuff that's going on in the family, if you answer yes, I trust you, and if you answer no, I trust you. And if I don't hear anything from you, I trust you. This money stuff that doesn't seem like it's possible for it to work out. Lord, before I even ask, before I even ask, I want you to know, I trust you. This relationship stuff, are you seeing where this goes? Your father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And then with fasting, with fasting, again, they're being hypocrites, you know. They're trying to mess up their hair and put on the sackcloth and everything else. Here's what it is. It's saying more than I need that loaf of bread. And oh my goodness, that loaf of bread sounds so good right now. More than I need that loaf of bread, I hunger and I thirst for right standing with you. And so when I'm going that time without eating and I start to grumble and I start to ache and maybe I get a little hangry, you know, maybe I'm gripping my teeth just a little bit. When I get to that spot, it's just going to remind me, of how hungry I am just to draw closer to you. Lord, that's what I crave. That's what I want. And in that spot, your father, Jesus says, who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And some of you are going, what's the reward? Like, let's talk about that. What is that reward? Is it financial? Is it? Is it financial? And the answer is maybe, probably not. Like, I mean, really, probably not. Like, that's probably not the answer. And you're going, is it relational? Is it emotional? Is it job? Do I get a new job? Like, a great new job? Maybe, maybe not. Is it spiritual? The answer is, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's spiritual. Jesus talks about treasure in heaven, doesn't he? That incredible that there's treasure being stored up in heaven for us. But let me tell you something just as awesome. It is the knowledge and the presence of Almighty God in the here and now. Do not miss that. Going back to the money. Going back to the prayer. Going back to the fasting. You and I get this spot where we know that he is here and that he is good and that he is God. In a world where so many are trying to figure out if they believe that God is even real, we get the knowledge of understanding how present and available Almighty God is. Isn't that incredible? That's what we get. That's the reward. It's a reward that to me is just the ultimate reward. So do you remember David, King David in the Old Testament? King David wasn't the one that they thought would be king. They thought all of his brothers might be king. Why? Well, maybe they were bigger. Maybe they were better looking. Maybe they were smarter than David. We don't know. What we do know is Scripture declares that God knows the heart while man looks at the outward appearance. God knows the heart. So those of you who are followers of Jesus, as you sit here, God knows your heart. If you're not participating in these spiritual disciplines and you're trying to you're trying to argue it, like for whatever, well, the reason I'm not going to give, the Lord doesn't need my money. 
He owns cattle on a thousand hills, streets of gold. He doesn't need my money. You know, and you're trying to debate, be the devil's advocate. The devil doesn't need an advocate, just so you know. He doesn't need it. The Lord knows your heart. This should be about you stopping and bringing your heart into alignment with his. Those of you who are participating in those spiritual disciplines, you are praying, you are giving, you are fasting. He knows your heart. He knows those moments that it's all about the Facebook like. He knows those moments where it's about the applause of the crowd. You want to know the reward? Here's the reward. You've received your reward in full. When you do it for people, that's the reward. It's about how long it lasts or the like on Facebook. That's it. That's all you get. It ends just like that, doesn't it? So here's the deal. In just a moment, we're going to sing a final song. And you and I, we're going to leave these doors. We're going to get in our cars. We're going to head down the road, right? You ever, you ever play that game with, look, I don't know what it's called. It's probably got a name. The hotter, colder, warmer, freeze. You know the, the game? Yeah. yeah. Man, okay. The other services, just so you know, they kind of nodded, but no one really participated. So thank you for participating. I love, yes, we know the game. Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. So the game is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the little kid, I'm getting further away, and, you know, colder, colder, you're freezing, you're in Michigan, right? And, like, <laughs> you're getting warmer, hotter, you're in South Florida, and so that's kind of how the game goes. When we get into our cars and go, I don't know how long it's going to take for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's on the way to go eat. Maybe it's on the way home. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it happens on Thursday. Maybe it's a month from now. Maybe it's a year from now. But eventually, here's what happens. You or I will hit this spot where we become pretty self-absorbed, and it becomes about us. We hit this moment where our hearts are not in alignment with his. And this is so powerful. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit in your ear going colder Hey, you're colder, you're getting further away. You're not where you're supposed to be for some of you. Oh, you know that voice. Because you felt it just coming in today. You know you're far from where you're supposed to be. And the Holy Spirit's just in your ear. No, you're colder. Here's the awesome thing, though. When you turn, talk about reward. When you turn and you start back towards the Lord, you start participating in these spiritual disciplines. You start doing it for the reason of the applause of the Most High King. All of a sudden, you're going to hear warmer, hotter. Oh, my goodness, you're right where you're supposed to be. Church has the beauty of what we get to do for each other. We should never hold back our affirmation towards each other, but that affirmation should always come in a place that says, hey, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to, pointing the way to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the high calling that we have through your holy word. Lord, I pray that you forgive us. Forgive us for those places where we become hypocrites in our lives, where we become obstacles to the gospel for those around us. Where, Lord, we don't even jump in and start the spiritual disciplines. We don't even have what it takes to be hypocrites because we're so far away. I pray for a turning today, a turning of our hearts and our lives toward you. Lord, I pray that we're a church is quick to affirm and encourage. We're a church full of people who truly seek your applause 
who truly seek your recognition because your name, your renown is the desire of our hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you for inviting us to this place, for once again allowing us the opportunity to open your holy word and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church, I encourage you to stand as we worship to close out the morning.